Welcome to Angry Pandas. I am with uh, with William Peck. Let's make some noise for William. <laughs> I'm with Becca Tam. Becca Tam's in the house. Hello, Becca. Long time to see. I personally do this because I miss you guys. I haven't seen you guys in a while. And I feel like you guys are maybe strangers on the internet, but like friends in my heart. That's who you guys are to me. Um, let's start off with how Asian are we? Like for me, the level of Asian I am, I I still, when somebody rings my doorbell, I creep up to the door. Then I like, I look at them until they walk away. It's when I decide to open the door. You know, like that's when I open the door. It's like, hey, why are you leaving? It's kind of like, like me and my relationships. Like, I don't appreciate you until you leave. That's the level of Asian I am. What about you, William? What, how, what kind of level of Asian are you? I, I so I, I wrote some stuff down just to have notes. And I just put down the number five. <laughs> it's like I'm a five you know like I'm not I'm not are, are we are we are any of us like fluent in anything or what do you mean like our um, first language yeah like like I don't I I didn't know Korean until like and I started taking Korean in college like my parents were like no you're gonna speak English <laughs> um and uh and then I uh like I should be watching more movies and like, you know, doing, but I just, I just don't. Um, but I did, I did have an Asian American studies minor in school. Um, so I feel like that, that's why it's a five and not like a two, you know? And then, uh, and I eat all the food. So I, I think that's, that's kind of in the middle. You so know? The, do your like, parents call you William or did they call you by your Korean name? They, they didn't give me a Korean name. Oh, yeah, so maybe you're less than a five. <laughs> no, that's gonna knock me down a little bit. What but, about you, Becca? Yeah, how Asian I think. Are you? How Asian am I? I, I think that I am probably like full throttle Asian American Asian. Yeah, that's that's what I say because like I think I'm not like Asian Asian, even though I was born in Singapore. That's pretty that's pretty Chinese uh colonialism to be born in a former like colony-ish <laughs> thing that they shared with Britain. Um so I think yeah, full throttle Asian American Asian. That's that's me. And so Asian American to the level of you needing to piss off your parents to to actually qualify as Asian American. Yeah, I think some pissing off and also like being like an Asian Jewish person who's also like mixed race, but I I look pretty Asian and so I've I've really just embraced that as like okay, you know, I am a banana. I get it. I'm a literal banana, you know, yellow on the outside, white on the inside, but also yellow and white and that's just what it is. I mean, I feel like you know, that's a that's a bad term. I'm trying to reclaim the banana. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like in general, like I I find that just like my Asianness does uh just naturally follows me around and is with me. And like I went to Chinese school when I was younger and you know I've I know how to do some Singaporean dishes. I just have to like look it up, but I feel like in general, I'm pretty Asian American as far as Asian. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a topic you'd like to bring up or an issue or a myth we'd like to smash? Becca? 
Hmm. Uh, I think they're the the Asian uh, thing where like all Asians are either engineers or some sort of professional non-artist profession to me is kind of frustrating because I'm just like, you know, with China having most of the population of the world, that means technically most of the artists in the world are Asian. So I think, you know, just putting that into perspective of like more people, more artists that, you know, if anything, we should realize like in American culture that anybody can be anything. And I think, you know, there's been times where I'm on my way to a show or I'm leaving a show and someone's like, oh, did you like watching the show? And I was like, well, I was in it. So I, I did watch <laughs> some of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a good time, you know. So I think just dispelling that Asians aren't in art or like in entertainment is a thing. Yeah. Do you have a hard time getting booked, William? as an artist i i don't know i don't i think lately i've stopped i used to worry about that Mm -hmm. a bit but i think um i think lately i've just been like rethinking who i'm speaking to Mm. and i think that's kind of changed how i've uh how I feel about bookings and stuff like that. Like, um, like I, I don't know if you kind of, I don't know how closely you keep track of things, but like, uh, like, like a few months ago or like a month ago in November, like that goes on the show that I ran and it was, um, it was like an all Asian American, you know, lineup and the audience was mostly Asian American and, uh, it was run out of the, or I did out of the Lincoln Lodge and, um, I think I, like I've done shows where it's like you know all Asian Americans, but the audience is mostly white. You know, and you're like, okay, it's like, you know, it's like it's nice. Um, but I think with that one, I was like, this is the kind of, I guess, like thing I want to do, or like this is the kind of, I guess, like conversation I want to have. And um, I don't know, that kind of like changed. So now I'm just like, no, I don't. Now I'm not like, oh, I need to like get booked at Zanies or Laugh Factory or anything. I'm just like. I could just kind of keep doing that and and that feels more that feels more like healthy to me you know How about you yeah Becca? you Do created you... a space I think sorry to interrupt, go ahead, but, go ahead. um you created a space where you like invited Asian people to come out and show up and laugh and I think that was really important it's it's much more important to create new spaces rather than you know, kind of wedge our way through doors that maybe aren't necessarily super open to us on the regular. Um, and I think, yeah, that's great. I mean, even, even you bringing like, we'll, we'll have this park show where like it was just an amp speaker, a sign, um, and a mic and people performing. And it was just like brilliant because people would just show up and, you know, it was definitely like a moment where I was like, oh yeah, like you can create a space anywhere. Like people used to just shout jokes on the street, you know, and be like five cents for a knock, knock joke. You know, maybe that's what people used to do. I don't know. I might be (laughs) making up history, but 
So do Asian shows, is it slightly different than regular shows or do you feel like it's the same thing? It's just that there's more, like the Asian's the theme as opposed to, you know, having like one girl on the show, you know? Yeah. I think it was, it's different. It's definitely like a younger crowd too. Um, So they're definitely more, uh, they're definitely a little more like socially conscious and that made them a little bit tight at the same time. You don't feel like it's a safe space. You feel like it's more, um, we're still very PC amongst yeah. ourselves. I, I think it's a, it's a safe space in one way, but also it's a, it's a, it's a safe space in another way too. Like, it's not like, you know, like some people are like, oh, like, you know, kids are so, like for instance, the, I feel like the, the, the jokes that I, I'm thinking of doing with them next time are things that I wouldn't be able to say in like a, like an all white show or something like that. You know? So like on the one hand, it's like people like, Oh, it restricts what you can say. But also on the other hand, it's like, I'm fine with that because there's this new thing that I can talk about. Um, And so it's like, it doesn't feel like it's restricting to me. Like you could go in there and be like, I don't know. Like, like you could talk about, um, I guess like inter Asian kind of like, conflicts and stuff like that you know like uh like if you want to do a joke on like i don't know like uh like like uh like japan during world war ii or something like that like most asians gonna be like haha like i know i know that stuff but like you know what i mean it's like you're kind of opening it's it's not i don't feel like the the what you can say is, is smaller i feel like it's just like shifted to the to to a different thing you know yeah like a different web of references like light up within a space of mostly asian americans like i feel like like ali wong's following right as an example like she'll bring out the asian americans to her show so she gets to do whatever the fuck she wants to do you know on stage because of that like almost she doesn't have to like explain over explain anything because I feel like that's what I've had to do sometimes like in white spaces kind of like over explain like you know this is what Singapore is like crazy rich Asians you know like this you know and I feel like a lot of Asians are like oh yeah Singapore that one place you go like visit for the food you know and like the nightlife or whatever so I think um yeah it definitely it opens up like a new realm of like oh, I could do this off the cuff and people would be like, oh yeah, that thing, you know, like, like I know for me, like I, I've always wanted to do like a musical comedy song where I make fun of like the Chinese tones, but I don't, I don't want to start researching all that just to like totally mess up something, you know, like to where like the, is the payoff going to be good enough, you know? Cause like, I remember like in Chinese school, we got like this robot thing, like a keyboard with all the tones, like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and I kind of want to make like a dubstep song, like based off of that, where it's like, uh, 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 you know, like that type of thing. Um, but yeah and then it's like will that be funny to white people and i hate that that's like a barrier right but then again it's like you know i think if anything is funny enough it's relatable to everybody you know maybe it'll just hit home more clearly for some people 
Yeah. That's amazing that you had a Ferris Bueller keyboard growing up that had the sounds. You know what I'm, I'm referring to? Or there was a scene in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like he was calling in sick. So he had the keyboard, like a cough was one of these buttons and like a sneeze was. Oh, buttons. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like what you had growing up. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 That was the, the Chinese school Ferris Bueller keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I feel like for something like that, you have to. Like you have to do it over and over again with people who it will work with, and then you can mm-hmm. take it to like, you know, Milwaukee or something like that. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's as simple as just being like, like Chinese is a tonal language, and because of that, like you, we used to have a keyboard, and I was like, what if I mess with the keyboard sounds? I have to go find the keyboard. I know my my dad never throws away anything. So I will find that old machine and it's going to haunt me with like all the Chinese school memories of being like not uh, good enough at Chinese. We stopped Chinese school because all me and my siblings were like, we can't do this. And it's too late. We're yeah. too old. It's not going to stick. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> like, yeah. You know? I, I'm back. How was your Korean journey? Well, did it stick? It. So I, okay. So the thing is that like when you're, my parents tried to teach me and uh, when you try to teach your native language, you're always going to be terrible at it. You know, because it's like, imagine if we were like, oh, you got to teach English. I'd be like, I have no idea how to teach English. I just be like, it just sounds right. You know? So your dad taught you, you didn't have to go to a school. No, so my dad tried to teach me. Okay. So uh, what he would do is he would just like, he would like make these worksheets and I just just have to like copy the the Korean over and over again. And I just didn't know what I was copying. So none of it like stuck with me. And then uh, he would also give me like these stock phrases that I would use. Um, so like one of, one of them was like, can we go to the Wendy's? <laughs> you know? And I had no idea what, I had no idea what the grammar or like the, the words were. I just knew that if I said that, it meant I could go to Wendy's. So it's like, so I never, I never like, I never picked anything up. You know, I was just like, except for like, can I go to Wendy's? That was the only thing that I, I got. Nice. What about you, Kevin? Did you learn your, your parents' uh, language? Yeah, it's, I, that's my first language. It was Cantonese. It, we grew up speaking Cantonese. I, I didn't realize nice. that people didn't know Cantonese until I went to kindergarten. I was like, oh. oh, you guys don't speak the same language I do. It was just very awkward. But at the same time, I also learned English. So I was like mixing it up a little bit. But, you know, it's because you're in your house. That was like the world we created. So we that's the way we spoke. Like sometimes we change words up. That's when I started to realize, like, maybe I'm not one of you guys. Like, I'm more Asian than, you know, than you guys. I had to figure out, like, my path to, like, walk the lines. It was a little bit awkward for me. Did your did your teachers think you were, like, dumb or something like that? Um, well, I'm left-handed, too. So that they probably did think I was dumb because there was a lot of, like, right-handed scissors and, like, a lot of stuff that I was doing. And it was just backwards. But, um I think I, I didn't really feel that way because I, I'm pretty stubborn. So I just kind of was like, well, this is the way I do it. I can't, I can't change. Like I'll try it, but it's not as good, but it feels better using my left hand. So 
how is Chicago with the Asian culture? Do you feel like it's embraced? Like for me in the Bay Area, it's very much infused on like bubble teas in every corner. We got pokey in every corner. Um, and I was, I was thinking about what uh, Becca was saying about how like uh, with arts and stuff, people don't really embrace it. But you look at places like Shanghai or, or Hong Kong, it's the architecture is so beautiful and it's so advanced as opposed to stuff we have out here in Chicago is great. So I was wondering how is Chicago embracing it? I mean, same, same deal of like Boba, like sometimes you'll get a museum exhibit where you're like, Oh, you're talking about Asian American history. Cool. You know? Um, I remember there was a museum in Lincoln park where it was about like Japanese internment uh, camps and um, then, of course, the most Chicago Lincoln Park thing happened where it turned into a spin studio, a place where white women go to cycle. Uh, so I was like, OK, well, that kind of sucks. But yeah, like Chinatown is pretty great. And then we also have like Argyle, um, Asian on Argyle, where you have like different uh not just Chinese, but like Vietnamese and some Filipino like eateries to go to um so i think you know there's definitely like little spots of um places where the culture is like thriving and you can see it like right on the street and and with the people but i think it's we're really segregated here so when you when you see like you know comedians like will or i go to a show in chicago it's going to be in a primarily like white neighborhood. Like there's not um, too, too much comedy going on in Chinatown. And if there is, they're not telling me, they're not telling me about the open mics in Chinatown, you know? So <laughs> I feel like maybe that's something we could start, but uh, we would need a translator maybe. Cause I think some people show up and be kind of pissed off and be like, ah, these Asian Americans, Americans with their English. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a lack of, uh, I guess like s- identity in Chicago like I definitely feel like in California there's definitely like a like a oh we are the Asian Americans in California and we've been here for you know this amount of years and we have look this is the international hotel or something like that and then, like <laughs> the same thing I, I think the same things in New York you know they're like oh look at us we've you know this is New York Chinatown we have this whole history and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like with Chicago, it's just like, oh, there's those are the Asian Americans and they're here and we don't know much about how they got here, but they're here. You know, it's not like, yeah, I, I feel like that that historical record isn't isn't kept quite as well. Huh. What about you, William? Do you have an issue, a gripe or a myth you like to smash? Um. Yeah, so I, I think, I think the thing that annoyed me was um, about how in every kind of like, you know, media discussion about race or anything like that, um, Asian Americans are kind of lumped in with all the white people, you know, (laughs) like, uh, like, I think you can see this on Vox, especially like every time I see a Vox video and they're like talking about racial you know, disparities and stuff like that. There's just like no mention of 
you know, any Asian American, where, where Asian Americans kind of fit into that, you know, framework. And it's just like all like, you know, like they, uh, yeah, they're just like, oh, for the purposes of this video, we're treating the Asian Americans as white people, you know? You feel the same way, Becca? There's definitely some of that dualism of being an Asian American, East Asian American, I think specifically, because although like East Asian Americans are the image of what is Asian at a first glance in America, I find that it just becomes like this colorism aspect with racism and to realize that everybody has different privileges and oppressions like everyone has a different sprinkle of each um it the way that i experience like being an asian american is that like i don't face certain you know like in the dating world for example like i I can kind of get clumped into, you know, dating white people and it's not like the biggest thing. And, you know, there's fetishism, of course, where it's like white guys have always, you know, every there's this thing. I read this recently. It was like a meme of some book of like all the things you need to know about white people. And then there was a part where it was like Asian fetishism. And then it was like every white guy ever has had a crush on an Asian girl at some point in his life just because she's Asian. And I was like, I hate this. Who wrote this? Why is this available at a bookstore? This is horrible. Um, but I think there, there never is fully um, the acceptance into whiteness if you're a person of color of any type. Like, I think, you know, it's conditional. It's conditional uh, adjacent to whiteness that I think exists um, for East Asian Americans and like for South Asian Americans I think there is the clumpedness into like conditional like brown people-ness you know where you know they uh, can be mistaken for a Middle Eastern person you know especially post 9-11 just being you know targeted on the street for wearing clothing upon their head you know so um you know whether whether it's religious or not um or cultural so i think it's oh god racism is sad uh but uh (laughs) you know it's just like it is very frustrating that still like in data research even you know what will was saying like asians being clumped within white people See, I got to do my research more, but there's there's this one thing that I heard recently in 2021 that some data release person from some university, I don't know if any of you guys know what I'm talking about, like a university released information about students and they had clumped Asian people with white people because they didn't want to bre- break out the pie chart into another slice. Like that's literally what they uh. didn't want to do. So it, it's, you know, and then people got mad about it and they're like, sorry, we'll change it. Uh, we didn't know. And it's like, 
you don't have one Asian person like on your team who would have been like, um, excuse me, uh, we exist separately from white people. <laughs> it's like, like, uh, like times are bad. We can't afford that many slices. We gotta save the slices. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like Excel will break out the chart into anything. Like it does it as. A, oh gosh. Okay, I think I froze for a oh, second. No. Um, you're here. Okay, good. All right, sorry. Uh, but yeah, I I definitely think it's it's still frustrating that people think just because you're a lighter skin color that that means you're like into this conditional whiteness, and it's um, that's just not true. So how do we break away from that? How do we uh, separate it enough to where we become a piece of the pie? Yeah, I think. Um, if we just educate people more, like if I think this is something that we just got in Illinois or Chicago, that we just got this law passed that there will be uh, a permanent like Asian American studies chapter in uh, textbooks for for elementary school students. And I think that's a great first step of being like, here's the whole chapter, you know, it's not just Japanese internment, some modern immigration stuff, you know, like it's more than just the Chinese exclusion act. It's being Asian is like a lot of different things. Like I remember watching this documentary um, in college about um, there's these like Nolens Vietnamese people. Um, There's like a Vietnamese immigration movement to Nolens. And so you got these Asian people with like those Louisiana Southern accent and they're like, oh well we go down over there. And uh, you know, and it's like that just broke expectations of like, okay, Asians not only immigrated, you know, to the West Coast or the East Coast, you know, they're they're in plenty other spaces in America. And like that was in like the 1800s or something like that. You know, so and if, if it's not Vietnamese people fact check me on that, I don't, I don't remember, but uh, yeah. That, that's an amazing point because I love the seafood boils and I would go to these places and I'd, I would always see the Vietnamese shrimp boils like Vietnamese people are doing this or even Koreans, they have their own sauces and they're all from the South. It's like, how did they come up with all this? So you ever wonder, it does happen, but I don't feel like that people are aware of it maybe it's because we don't socialize we don't we don't instagram all this stuff maybe you know back then it, it was just like a very small uh go to this place and it's at some point it just kind of you know just never gets exposed yeah exposure like media coverage um and also just people being able to share their stories um, in movies and TV and books, you know, because uh, like, imagine there was like a Harry Potter, but it was about like an Asian person uh-huh. and a, a lesser known cultural situation in America. That would be awesome. You know, make them a wizard too. I don't care. You know, like I think it would just be so cool to just have like a cultural phenomenon show something that's just not as seen mis- underrepresented. I mean, is there any Asian Harry Potter people? Cho Chang. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't read. I was not sure <laughs> if there was any. So. 
<laughs> I just have yeah, to, Cho yeah. Chang. She's okay. the the white guy, the main white guy's one Asian fetish crush. That's <laughs> it proves the white people book story or theory. <laughs> so so my my gripe I'd like to bring up is I don't know why um, Asians can't celebrate Christmas, right? Like, uh, how did you guys uh, celebrate the holidays? William, did you guys have a Christmas tree and do the whole traditional thing? Yeah, we had. My my family was kind of um, like they, they got here and they're like, we're American now. Like, you're not going <laughs> to, you know, like, put you're not you're going to you're not going to learn how to use chopsticks for anything. Um. And so, so we did the Christmas tree and uh, it, it kind of always felt like we were, we were like cosplaying Americans, you know? Oh, that's a good, that's how, exactly how, that's amazing. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Like we, yeah. Like we'd just be sitting around and be like, yeah, American family <laughs> is very American. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's. Yeah, Can that's I ask it, was it, a, was it a fake Christmas tree or was it a real one? Oh yeah, it was totally fake. Definitely. Okay, fake. that proves my. Yeah. What about you, Becca? Did you get the menorah and stuff like that, or did you guys do the Christmas tree? Or... Yeah. So my mom, like, as soon as she went to college, was like, "I'm not a Jewish person anymore," even <laughs> though she's still technically a Jewish. Uh, so she and my dad, like, when they got married, they just decided, "Okay, we're we're hands off, just like agnostic ish," and so. We would do Christmas for the capitalism, Christmas for the gifts to do the mainstream thing. And my dad was raised Catholic, like his family is Catholic. They're Chinese Catholics from Singapore uh, and Malaysia. So, um, yeah, I just somehow got the Jewish juice in me. And now I celebrate Hanukkah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't really do the Christmas thing that much uh, anymore, but I'll like I'll go for the food, you know, like, you know, it's, it's all about good cheer and fun. Like I, I get it. There's nothing malicious about Christmas unless you're, you got the German like Krampus and then, then there's some evil stuff, but, um, a Christmas yeah. tree? no Christmas tree. Okay. I, I'm getting Hanukkah lilies this okay. year. I still have yet, even though Hanukkah happens so fast. So I'm going to get some Hanukkah lilies. That's the, the foliage for Hanukkah. <laughs> My parents had this really sad fake Christmas tree. Like you could see the skeletal. It was like the oh, Charlie right. Brown's Christmas tree. It was like barely six feet tall. You could actually see it yeah. sticked in. It's like Ethiopian. It was just very stickish. And I loved it so much that because I, I didn't know anything better. And um, when uh, I got old enough, I want my birthdays in January, like the second week of January. So I said, let's keep the tree up. I want this up for my birthday. And we invited my friends over and for some reason my my parents have to be so racist like they call my my one friend black john i was like he's my only friend let's just call him john we have to call him black john you know we just have to emphasize how black he's like that's the only four friends i had was john his two brothers and his sister and they came over and they saw the christmas tree and they're like why is this still up it's you know two and a half weeks past Christmas, but that's kind of what like this podcast is about. It's about weirdness. This is something that I want to embrace um, and maybe share with other people. That way, people can go. You know what? We did the same thing as well too. Yeah. So uh, the way that I'd like to close out is comfort food. Is there something you guys enjoy eating that you might have reconnected with and um, that you might want to share? Like for me, um, 
I just bought some fish snacks. Do you guys ever had this before? Um, it was something that we ate as kids. It looked like shredded paper. It's like you know, like when you pull the, the the thing in, it's all like little st- little shred. Actually, yeah, right yeah. here. Like I just bought this, so I'm gonna go try this out. It's it's not nutritious. It, it does taste like paper, but I like to <laughs> highlight that that's, that's something that I am embracing. Is something weird. What about you, William? Is there some a comfort food that you like to share with us? Yeah, I've uh, I've been into soups lately. I've been yay. Yeah, I think because it's cold, I'm I'm down for the soups. Um, is there one you... in particular? Um, is this one that I just had, and it's like a kind of fish roe soup. Um, and I like it because it's uh, you know, because there's like there's like the kind of Asian food that you would take your white friends to, and there's <laughs> the kind of Asian food that's just for you, and uh, like you can like. I don't know if you guys do this, but you ever like go into a restaurant and you're like, you know, immediately you're like, ah, oh, this is one of the ones for the white people, you know? Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's P.F. Chang's. I feel like P.F. Chang is made for white people that are too afraid to go into Chinatown. Like that's what <laughs> P.F. Chang's about. If you, if you, if you walk in and you see like five grandparents just yelling at each other, you're like, okay, this is the, <laughs> this is the one. If, if it seems illegal, you're like, okay, this is the, this is the one for me. Cash only. Yeah. yeah. Cash only. <laughs> What about you, Becca? Is there a comfort for you like to share? Yeah, I always enjoy like the Singaporean styled fish ball soup. It's funny you say that, Will. We're like cousins from another muzzins, you know, like the fish ball soup. Um, you never know what kind of fish it is. It's just fish ball soup. It's, <laughs> it looks white and you got like vegetables, you got sometimes a little like rice cake and then uh singaporean styled noodles where they like saute it and then they pop it in the soup and then that with a side of fresh soya milk um because that's that's how i roll you know i remember the restaurant uh, growing up that we would go to that had like the singaporean styled like food and uh i remember sometimes it'd be like yeah no we we ran out of soya milk they're like we don't want to make it for you so we don't have it i'm sorry so just deal with it you made a great yeah. point about fish balls like we don't know what's in there it's a lot like hot dogs you know we just know that it's, yeah that it's just fish balls it, we just accept it as is. i feel like if no one told me that it was fish i wouldn't have guessed you know i'd just be like yeah but yeah do you have a Oh, yeah, you already did your food, the, the stream thing. Yeah. Yeah, I reconnected with seaweed. Um, I just like the packs. I reconnected with that and grass jelly. That's something that that kind of got me thinking. It's like, this is my comfort food. I don't know. I haven't had this in a long time, but I found I find comfort in that. So after like maybe six grass jellies, I had to go back and buy more. So it's a little bit weird. But you Did you go to the, I don't know, do you guys have memories of going to like, like like convenience stores that were run by like a couple or something like that the asian mart yeah, like yeah, what before, whatever it was yeah yeah before like h mart came and like mm-hmm. took mm-hmm. everything yeah where the fish is like out on ice and you're like how long has it been up for <laughs> just kind of leave them like the squid out to like say hello <laughs> and then there's like fish tanks right and all that stuff and get some crabs and stuff like that yeah not that we ever we never cooked any live anything. 
I think my mom was was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go the easy route. Everything that's frozen or like already cooked. But yeah. Well, thank you guys for, for letting me do this with you. This has been an amazing journey for me. Uh, it's good seeing you guys. I, I do miss you guys. Um, 